Do you feel you need a savior? Are your sins too great to bear? There is a man who is a friend of sinners. He is Jesus. He does care. On the cross he bore our sin. God dying for you and me, he cleared the debt. He paid the price believing we are now set free. All right. I want to wel- welcome all of you once again for the uh, Good Friday service. Thank you for being with us. I just want to welcome those who are watching us on the internet. We are on uh, radio today. So the sermon is going out live on radio, internet radio. Uh, thanks to Radio City for being with us. appreciate it as well. Um, I want to take some time here just to talk to us about Jesus, the friend of sinners. Jesus, friend of sinners. You know, man, when I use the word man, I'm talking about us people, people all over the world, mankind in general. We're pretty amazing people. You know, we've look at man's accomplishments. It's pretty outstanding. We've uh, delved deep into the tiniest things of creation, looked right into the cell, into the smallest things about the cell, and and made amazing discoveries. They've also gone incredibly far into this vast expanse of this universe and, and, and gained information about the universe. So in terms of accomplishment, in terms of intellectual power, in terms of scientific knowledge and all of that, you know, we could pat ourselves on the back and say, wow, we've done, it all, done a lot, we've accomplished a lot brilliant in who we are and what we've done and and, 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 uh, achieved so far. And in as as much as man seems to be such an outstanding creation of God, we must understand that every human person at the core is still very depraved, very corrupt. Morally, spiritually, man is sinful. Back at the very beginning, in the earliest book of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, the Lord, the Bible says that the Lord saw the wickedness of man. It was great in the earth that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Thousands of years have come and gone since that, that script at that point in time of that scripture. Man has grown intellectually, grown in accomplishments, but that thing has still not changed. That the wickedness of man is great in the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart is evil. In another place in the Bible, in Jeremiah 17 and verse 9, the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. At the very core, every man, the Bible says, is desperately wicked. The Apostle Paul writing in the book of Romans says, there is none righteous in Romans 3.10. He says, there is none righteous, not even one. And the Bible declares that all have sinned 
and we fall short of the glory of God, of the standards of God. Romans 3 and verse 23. That all have sins. We fall short of the glory of God. And most of us understand that God is an absolutely perfect God. He's a holy God. He's, he's infinite, much beyond what our minds, and as much as, it, as brilliant as it may be, God is infinitely beyond our capacity of understanding. He's absolutely perfect, holy, just, infinite. God declares, I am holy. The angelic beings around the throne of God, they do not rest day or night, and they continually proclaim, holy, holy, holy to the Lord. The Bible tells us that God is light. In Him, there is no darkness. He dwells, what the Bible says, in unapproachable light. That's God. Infinitely great. Holy. And this sinfulness of ours actually disconnects us from such a holy God. The Bible makes it very plain in Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2. But the Lord's hand is not shortened, it cannot save. His ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. But our sins have separated us from our God. And our sins have caused His face to be hidden from us. Because he's absolutely holy. And we're terribly sinful. Our lack of understanding of God is not because of any fault on his side. But it's simply the result of our own depravity. It is the result of our own sinfulness. That in as much as we are so brilliant. We're unable to understand and comprehend God. Because he's absolutely holy. So infinite. So powerful. So great. Even though some of us have, may have some sliver of goodness in us. Trying to be morally upright and trying to do some good things. The Bible still declares in Isaiah 64 and verse 6. That we are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousness is like filthy rags before God. Meaning man at his best. Without the Savior. Stands deficient before a holy God. Any man, any woman at their very best. Still falls short of even meeting God's minimum requirements. We stand deficient before a holy God. And looking at this equation. Many of us would immediately think that. This infinitely holy and righteous God would therefore have nothing to do with us sinful people. That he would totally abandon us. He would totally stay far away from us. Or at the very best he might bombard us continually with judgment and pound us with his wrath. And let us know how miserable we are. That's what many of us would assume God would do. But the good news is that the Bible presents to us a completely different picture. The Bible reveals to us a God who loves 
the sinner. He loves you. He loves me. 2,000 years ago, when this infinite, absolutely infinite, infinite God took on the form of a man in the person of Jesus Christ. And he walked on this earth. We see in Jesus a man, God, man, who reached out to sinners. He did not distance himself from the sinful. But he befriended them. He welcomed them. In fact, it is so amazing as you trace the account of the Gospels. You find Jesus who is God in man who stepped into our sinful world. Surrounded almost all the time by sinful people. I want to share some of those accounts with us this afternoon. In Mark chapter 2 verses 15 to 17, the Bible records that as Jesus was dining in the house of a man named Levi, that many tax collectors and sinners sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many and they followed him. Now tax collectors, they were people who were morally, totally wrong. They were people known for that. They, they oppressed people. They took more than they should be taking. They were corrupt. And they were sinners. Meaning prostitutes, adulterers, robbers, thieves, murderers. All kinds of people. And the Bible says many such people came to Jesus. And he sat And ate with them. Verse 16. When the scribes and Pharisees saw him. Eating with the tax collectors and sinners. They said to his disciples. How is that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it. He said to them. Those who are well. Have no need of a physician. But those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous. But sinners to repentance. So the scribes the Pharisees. The spiritual intellect of that day. The people who were supposedly well educated in the law. The religious people. They couldn't understand this. How could such a spiritual man. How could this man who was claiming to be God incarnate. How could he sit and eat food with the lowest of the low of society. How could that be possible. And Jesus responded to them saying look. I didn't come to call the righteous to repentance. But I I came to call sinners. It does not mean the scribes and the Pharisees were righteous. It just means they didn't know their sinfulness. They were blinded to their own true condition. And in, in a false understanding assumed their own righteousness. But he said, I've come to call those who understand their need. Those who understand their moral condition. Those who understand their spiritual need. I've come to call such people to repentance. It takes repentance for us to enter into the kingdom of God. But unfortunately, unless we, as long as we hold down to our false understanding of righteousness, we can never come to that place of repentance. 
Repentance is always preceded by a recognition of our own true spiritual condition that we really need a savior. In the seventh chapter of Luke, Peter happened to go to one of the Pharisees' home, the religious leader's home, this man named Simon. And Simon had probably prepared a wonderful meal. He'd cleaned the house. He'd got everything in order, expecting Jesus there. And somebody breaks in to that beautiful evening. Here comes a woman. She is a sinner. It doesn't tell us what her sin was, and we can only imagine probably a prostitute, probably an adulterer, something wrong, terribly wrong, that the whole community knew about her sinfulness. And she breaks into that meal that evening at Simon's house. She comes and she falls at the feet of Jesus, and she takes an alabaster box an alabaster flask of costly perfume. She opens it. It could have been something that she had purchased with all the money that she had. She takes that and she pours that ointment, that sweet perfume at the feet of Jesus. She adds her own tears to that perfume and she wipes her feet with her hair. And Simon and all the others looking at this whole thing, this unexpected thing taking place before their very eyes, they say, doesn't this man know who that woman is? Doesn't this man know what kind of a woman who is touching him? If he truly was this holy, righteous, just God who, had be, who has become man, he would not let a sinner touch him, would he? And Jesus, knowing their thoughts and knowing the reasoning of their minds, he says, Simon, I've got something to ask you. And Jesus presents a little story to Simon. He says, Simon, there was a man, a creditor, who had two people who owed him some money. One of them owed him 500 denarii. Another man owed him 50. And these two men were unable to make their repayment they were unable to pay back and say so they approached this man the creditor and he absolved their debts he forgave them so Jesus said to Simon Simon tell me which one of the two do you think would be more grateful to the creditor and Simon said the one who owed 500 and Jesus said Simon you answered right Because the one to whom much is forgiven, he loves much. He understands the value of that forgiveness that comes from God. Jesus was a friend of sinners. And he looked at this woman and he says, Woman, your sins which are many are forgiven. Your faith has saved you, just go. This woman whom everybody had labeled a sinner, was welcomed by Jesus Christ and forgiven of all her sins. And regardless of what society thought of her, in the eyes of Almighty God, she stood clean and forgiven. Think about another account the Bible records for us in John the 8th chapter, verses 1 to 11. 
Jesus had just come down from the Mount of Olives. He came into the temple and he was about to speak to the people. And here again, the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day were around him. And suddenly as he was about to teach, a commotion broke out and he saw people dragging a woman and they threw him, threw her at his feet. And they raised up this accusation to the Lord. They said, Master, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery and we've brought her to you. And there she was, already so stricken and smitten and mishandled by these people, lying there at the feet of Jesus, knowing that she had nothing for her defense. She was totally exposed. Her shame and her guilt knew no limits. And there she was at the feet of Jesus. And they said, Master, according to the law, she deserves to be stoned to death. What do you have to say about this? And Jesus looked down and he was just writing in the sand. And he looks up to these people and he says, those of you, those among you, who's without a sin, be the first to throw stone at her. And he looks down again and he continues writing in the sand. And the Bible says, starting from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their stones and they walked away. But Jesus looked up, saw the people gone. He looked at this woman and he said, woman, where are your accusers? She looks around, she sees nobody. She says, Lord, there's no one here. And Jesus tells her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. To this woman who was so shamed before society, so shamed by her own sinfulness, Jesus in a moment changed everything. He extended mercy, extended forgiveness, and everything about her changed. How could and why would Jesus befriend sinners? And how could he forgive their sin? How could he declare that they were from that moment on forgiven of their sin? Absolved of all guilt and shame. And how could he release them in an instant? It's because not only did he have a heart of great compassion for sinners. Not only did he come to befriend us sinners. But he came to pay for our sins on Calvary's cross. And that's why we are here this afternoon. We are here to thank him. We are here to remember the friend of sinners who died once and for all on Calvary's cross. For all our sins. As many as they may be, he died for us. Isaiah 53 verse 4 records this. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and covered our sorrows. And yet we did esteem him smitten and stricken by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. On Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ died 
taking on the punishment, the penalty, God's demand of justice for every sin you and I have ever committed. He paid for our sins on the cross. He bore the punishment for our sins. The punishment that we were supposed to bear, he bore it on Calvary's cross. And so verse 6 says, All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We've been like wavered sheep. We've gone in our own terrible ways. But our sins were laid upon Jesus Christ on the cross. The 12th verse of that same chapter tells us, God is speaking. He says, I will divide him a portion with the great and he will divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he bore your sins. He bore my sins. And he interceded. He pleaded for you and me as our friends. He did it because of love. The Bible tells us in Romans 5 verse 8 through 10 that God demonstrates his love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Some of us sitting here this afternoon, We recognize our sinful state. We recognize how sinful we are. And we wonder if if God was so absolute, absolutely holy, absolutely perfect, if he would love us. And the Bible tells us very clearly that God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so we have been justified by his blood. That means our sins have been removed. We've been declared free of all guilt and shame because of the blood he shed. And we'll be saved from wrath for him. Verse 10, for when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God to the, through the death of his son. So much more we'll be reconciled and we'll be saved by his life. Through his death on the cross, he came to reconcile us back to God. And here is this often quoted verse of scripture for God from John 3, 16, 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Said whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. For each one of us, this is the message of the Bible. Yes, the Bible points to us our sin. The Bible points to us our our sinfulness and our sinful state. But the Bible also tells us that there is a God in heaven who loves us in spite of our sinfulness. And he loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us on the cross. He came into this world not to condemn the sinful. He came into this world to die for us so that if we would believe in him, we will be saved that's the whole message of the cross the purpose of the cross he came to bring us back to himself he came to take us back into his family he came to be the father 
to wavered sons and daughters. He came to be the shepherd to the sheep that have gone astray. He came to be the light to people overwhelmed in darkness. He came to be the deliverer for those enslaved and oppressed. He came to be the healer for those who are emotionally wounded and physically suffering. That's why he came. And in the Bible we see that some of the most sinful people became the most useful when they encountered the friend of sinners. We read about a man named Peter, a fisherman. In one of his earliest encounters with Jesus, he cried out, he said, depart from me, I'm an unclean man. And the same man, Peter, was used by the Lord to preach the 31st sermon In the inauguration of the church. We read about a woman Mary Magdalene. Out of whom Jesus cast out seven devils. And this same woman. Was the first to see. The resurrected Christ. And she was the first to go and announce to the disciples. That the Lord is risen indeed. We read about a man named Saul. A man who vehemently opposed the message of Christ. He was an intellectual, highly schooled and highly trained. And when he heard about the name of Jesus, he opposed it terribly. His whole mission in life was to wipe out the name of Christ. And this man encountered a friend of sinners. And his whole life changed. And he wrote in his book in in 1 Timothy, Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly. As educated as he was, he recognized really he was ignorant. As highly trained he was, he recognized. When it came to the things of God, he was unschooled. And out of that, Ignorance, he blasphemed, he persecuted. He tried to kill every Christian he knew. But then he said, But the grace of the Lord was exceedingly abundant to me. And I I received this faith and love which is in Jesus Christ. And he said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That Jesus Christ came into into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He said, I am the worst of any sinner you could ever think of. And Jesus Christ came to save a man like me. And the same man, Saul, became the great apostle Paul, who then evangelized the then known world. He traveled, he gave the rest of his life to the preaching of the gospel. He endured all kinds of hardships for the very Lord he once persecuted. He went through all kinds of suffering to make sure people heard the good news of Jesus Christ, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And this very man who once opposed the name of Jesus, God used to pen two-thirds of the New Testament for us today. Some of the most sinful became the most useful when they encountered the friend of sinners. People questioned Jesus, why are you a friend of sinners? Why 
Why do you welcome these sinful people into your midst? In the 15th chapter of Luke, verses 1 and 2, we have another account where the tax collectors and sinners drew near to Jesus. They were compelled to come to him. Something drew them to Jesus. And once again, the Pharisees and the scribes, they complained. What a man is he. He receives sinners. He eats with them. What kind of a man is this? In response, Jesus gave three stories. He first gave the story of the lost sheep. He said, You know, if there is a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and he brings the sheep back to the sheep pen and he finds that there are only 99, that one sheep is missing, what does the shepherd do? He leaves the 99 and he goes looking for that one lost sheep. He spends the evening, he spends the night searching for that one lost sheep. And finally he he sets his eyes on that sheep caught somewhere in a thicket because it had wandered away from the sheep, from the rest of the flock. And then he goes and he, he, he rescues that one sheep and he brings it home and he celebrates with his friend saying, Hey, I found this one lost sheep. And Jesus said, Likewise, there is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. So Jesus, why are you welcoming these sinners? Why are you letting them come and sit around you? Why are you letting them come and touch you? Why are you letting them come and wipe your feet? Why are you letting them come and eat with you? Because Jesus said, there is joy in heaven. Even if one of them Repents. He gave another story. He said a woman had many coins, silver coins, coins of high value. And she finds that just one of her coins is missing. She lays aside all the coins she does have. And she gets on on her hands and knees and begins to search every corner of her house. To find that one lost coin. Because she knows its value. And when she finds that one coin. She celebrates. She celebrates. And Jesus said. In a similar manner. The angels of heaven rejoice. Over one sinner who repents. So Jesus. Why are you going searching? Why are you going seeking? Why would you leave heaven and come into a world that is a cesspool of sin? Why would you let man so strike you and smite you and spit you on your face and lead you to a, to a mountain called Golgotha? Why would you let them nail you? Why would you let them pierce you? Why would you let them do this to you? Why would you search out for one soul? Because there is rejoicing in heaven. The angels of God rejoice even when one sinner repents. And then he gave another story. 
He said a rich man had two sons. And the younger of the two sons decided he wanted to enjoy life. So he told his father, Father, just give me my portion of the goods and, and I just want to go and live my own life. And so his father did that. And the son went away to a very far country and there he enjoyed his life. He had many friends that came and they helped him spend his money. But soon all his money ran out. And he reached such a poor state that he had to sit and take care of the pigs and eat what the pigs ate. And then he reached that point in his life, he suddenly came back to his senses and he said, you know, if I would just go back to my father's house and just be a hired servant, not even a son, just be a hired servant in my father's house, that kind of a life is much better than what I have right now. And so he rises up and he makes that long journey back to the father. And as he approaches the gate of his father's house, to his amazement, there in the distance he sees the father. And the father, the moment he notices his son, he comes running to him, embraces him. With open arms, he brings him home and he embraces him and he brings him home and he says to his servants, bring out the fatted calf. Let's, let's celebrate. Bring out fine clothes. Put a ring on his finger. I want him to be my son. I recognize him as my son. So Jesus, why are you a friend of sinners? Because he's waiting for those who have wandered away, he's waiting for them to come home. He wants every one of us to know that in as much as we are all sinful, in as much as we have sinned, he still loves us. His arms are still open towards us. I want to remind us this afternoon about a reality which many of us may not want to acknowledge. The Bible tells us so clearly that there is heaven and there is hell. Hell is a real place. When our life on this earth is over, we will face judgment day. The Bible tells us it is a point when a man wants to die and after that comes the judgment. And we will all be judged. And we'll make our way to heaven or hell. In the book of Revelation, the 20th chapter, the Bible records this about the closing final stages of this earth. John writes, he says, I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which are written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in, in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And John records, and anyone not found written in the book of life, was cast into a lake of fire. We may not want to acknowledge it, 
But God has not left us without a warning. But heaven is also a real place. Jesus said in John the 14th chapter, he said, Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You say, Pastor, what does all this have to do with Good Friday? It's the whole purpose of this day. That's why Jesus came. You and I in our sinfulness were headed non-stop to one destination called hell. But Jesus came to pay for our sins on the cross. To die for us to be buried and to be raised up again. And then to offer this free gift of forgiveness of sins. The salvation of our souls and eternal life with him in heaven. If we would believe in what he did for each one of us on Calvary's cross. Man at his best without the Savior stands deficient before a holy God. The good news of the Bible is this. That any man, even at his worst, with the Savior, stands forgiven, righteous, and accepted before God because His blood cleanses us from all sin. From all sin. That's the good news of the Bible. So I want to ask you this question. This Good Friday, are you with or without the Savior? Do you feel you need a Savior? Are your sins too great to bear? There is a man who is friend of sinners. He is Jesus. He does care. You say you have no great sin. You have no need for the Savior. Remember, the smallest wrong we have done before a holy God finds no favor. Heaven is real, so is hell. There's more than just the temporal. We've got to see beyond today. Life is short. Eternity is eternal. On the cross, he bore our sin. God dying for you and me. He cleared the debt. He paid the price. Believing. We are now set free. He arose. He lives. He is the risen Christ. Friend of sinners, Savior. In Him, you too can trust.
Let's just close our eyes right now with every head bowed and every eye closed. I would call our worship team up, please. It's quite possible there are many sitting here today, many listening on the internet, on radio and watching us live. It's quite possible that for many of us, this is the first time we've heard a message like this. The real meaning of this day. Why Good Friday? That the God of heaven stepped into our world to become our friend, the friend of sinners. He died for us so that we could be forgiven. And have eternal life if we would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is also quite possible that there are some of us. Maybe we've been to church often. We've, we've heard all this before. But you know our faith is not where it ought to be. Where it's supposed to be. Maybe we once believed in Jesus. But now we're backslidden. We wandered away from God in spite of. The experience that we once had. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is a friend of sinners. He still loves you. And there are many of us here today. And we thank God that we've experienced Christ as our friend, as our savior. I want you just to take a few moments right now just to thank him. For what he did for you and me. On the cross. Just thank him. That even though he was such a great God. And he is such a great God. That he would step into our world. That he would embrace us. We who once. Were sinners. And would you take this moment. To pray for other people here. And those listening online. That even if there is one soul. Even if there is one soul. That does not know Jesus. That this afternoon, they will feel the pull of heaven on their heart. That somehow this will become understandable to them. That somehow the reality of this truth will grip them. And this afternoon that they will respond. Would you pray? Would you pray with all the earnestness you have? And cry out saying, God, even if there is one lost sheep, one lost coin, one lost son, let them come home this afternoon. I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now. If there's anyone here that up until this moment, you've never made a decision in your life to believe in Jesus Christ, to forgive your sins, if you've never asked Him to wash your sins away, if you've never asked Him To give you eternal life. To rescue you from hell. And to make a provision for you in heaven. To give you eternal life. If you've never asked him to do that. If you've never really believed in Jesus Christ. To be the one who saves you from sin. I want to lead you in this prayer right now. And I would invite you to pray with me. Wherever you are. You pray this prayer with me. If you're backslidden, wandered away from God, don't love Him the way you used to, I want you to also pray this prayer with me. 
Just say this with me. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you shed your blood for me. Lord Jesus, forgive my sins. Come into my life. Make me a child of God. Write my name in the book of life. And help me to follow you all the days of my life. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you pray this prayer with me for the very first time, we just want to know that. The Bible says there's great rejoicing in heaven. Even over one person, even over one person who changes, who repents. We want to rejoice this afternoon. Even with one person. Just pray that prayer. You pray that prayer for the very first time. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? And remain seated. Just raise your hand. You pray that prayer for the very first time. Just put your hand up. We just want to celebrate with you. There's one here. Amen. Anybody else? You pray this prayer for the very first time. We want to rejoice. Anybody up on the balcony? Just keep your hand up out in the hallway. If you pray this prayer for the very first time, if you pray, just put your hand up. You pray this prayer for the very first time. Let's give it a good hand. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? I want to give you this packet. We want to acknowledge and recognize what God has done in your life. Those of you watching online, if you prayed this prayer, I want you to send us an email so we can get these resources to you as well. Just send us an email, contact at apcw.org and uh, let, give us your address. We'd be happy to send these resources to you so that you can grow in your faith and grow in your understanding of who Jesus Christ is. We're now going to partake of the Lord's table and I would request you to please remain seated. I want you to just thank the Lord that He came to be our friend. That He did what He did for us on Calvary's cross. I want you to just prepare your heart to partake of the Lord's table. On the cross, Jesus took our sicknesses and our diseases. He bore every pain. He bore our shame. He broke the power of curse so that the blessing of God could come on our lives. And so this afternoon, as we partake of the Lord's table, as a believer, I want you to extend faith in the cross and the work he completed for us on the cross. And would you by faith this afternoon just receive what Jesus Christ did for you and me on Calvary's cross. Thank you. Worship.
by His stripes. By His stripes, we are healed. By His nail-pierced hands, we're. By His blood, we're washed clean. Now we have the wings of reed. The power of sin is broken. Jesus overcame it all. He is one of free.
Father, we just thank you so much for the cross. And Lord, even as we are about to partake of the table of the Lord, Father, I ask right now that as we do this, let your healing power flow in this place, O oh God. That those amongst us who might be sick and hurting in our bodies, God, that sicknesses will disappear, that diseases will leave, that deformities will be made whole, that your healing, delivering power, Father, will flow in this place. We pray for those who might be tormented, oppressed in any way, in their mind and their emotions. And as we do this, Lord, as we proclaim the power of the cross in this place, that your healing power, that your delivering power will sweep upon their life, setting them free, God. We ask that bondages will be broken. We ask, Lord, that demonic oppressions on, on people's lives, on finances, on homes will be broken. As we proclaim the Lord's death in this place by eating this bread and drinking this cup. Let great wonders and miracles take place, O oh God. Because of the reality and the power of the cross. We speak against every demonic spirit, every spirit of infirmity, every foul spirit, every tormenting spirit. And we charge you in the name of Jesus that you release every person in this place because we proclaim the power of the cross the victory of the cross Lord we do this with a great expectation we thank you the Lord Jesus said take eat this is my body that is given for you do this in remembrance of me. Let's all partake of the bread together. The Lord Jesus said, this is my blood. That is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's all partake of the cup together. We just go ahead right now and just acknowledge your healing, just receive your healing. Just by faith. You and the Lord. Just receive it. Receive your deliverance. This thing that I've been oppressing is God, I'm sitting, I'm receiving my freedom from this. Because right now I've proclaimed the finished work of the cross. I'm receiving it, God. I'm receiving it. Would you receive it? Just go ahead, pray. Say, God, I'm receiving my healing, receiving my deliverance. I'm receiving the triumph of the cross made real in my life. I'm receiving it. I'm receiving it. I'm receiving deliverance from my home, from my family. 
for my finances, for my job situation. I'm receiving the provision. I'm receiving the blessing of Abraham. I'm receiving it. I'm receiving prosperity into my life. I'm receiving divine provision into my life. I'm receiving it because of the cross. I'm receiving the blessing of the Lord because of the cross. Just go ahead, pray. Say, God, I'm receiving it. I've proclaimed the cross right now. I've proclaimed what Jesus did for me on the cross. I'm receiving the blessing. I'm receiving it. We thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. Now, in a minute, I'm going to ask you if you've received your healing, you've received your deliverance right now, if you feel a difference in your body, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. So, I want you to check your body. Or just check yourself to see if something is different. So, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand as a testimony of what God's done in our midst right now. So, check your body. Maybe there's a, there's a growth that the growth disappeared because you, you were praying for it to go, but it's gone. Just check your body. Just I don't know how many of you here right now would say something's taken place in my life. Put your hand up. Something's happened. Something's happened. Put your hand up right up. Look at those hands. One, two, three, four, five. Anybody up in the balcony? Something's happened to me right now as we prayed. Six, seven, eight, nine. Anybody else? Something's happened to me while you're praying right now. Wonderful, wonderful. I want you to go back and check what God's done for you. The power of the cross is real. His healing power comes into our body. His delivering power comes into our life as we proclaim the cross. And it's for all of us. For all of us. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to celebrate the cross. We're going to celebrate Jesus. He is the winner. He is the victor. Amen. How many of you love Jesus? Amen. You love Jesus? Let's give him a good hand. Let's say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, Jesus. We worship. We celebrate. We exalt. We glorify. We honor. We praise. We exalt you, King of Kings, the Lamb of God, the triumphant one, the victor. We exalt you, the friend of sinners, the lover of our souls. We worship, we glorify, we celebrate. Amen. Our God is risen. Our God is risen, He is alive, He won the victory, He reigns on high, we declare, our God is risen, He is alive, He won the victory, He reigns on high, our God is risen.
one of us take this good news this good news of your triumph this good news of your victory help us to take it all across our city and all across our nation let it be proclaimed and God be prayed that every knee will bow and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here this afternoon. Remember Easter Sunday, services at all our locations, normal timings. So you can go to whichever location you normally go to at the normal timings there. Bring your friends and let's celebrate, continue to celebrate Jesus. God bless. Thank you for being here. Have a good afternoon. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.